Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Harold Hay. This was recorded probably two years ago at this point. Corey and I went on a very long vacation. We're tanned, we're rested, and we're ready. And so I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much. Hello, and welcome to Harold Hay. It's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. And today we're going to be talking about Mr. Wingo's Country. It's a season three episode directed by Stark Howell, written by Steve Vixton and Joseph Purdy. Um, this, uh, wow, four in a row for season three. This is a very good episode, both by us and from the show, Arnold. <laughs> it's true. It's all true. Um, we talk a lot about um, post-colonialism. So get your get your post-colonial get hat on. Yeah, get strapped in. Um Take off all of your, uh, um, uh, what's it called when you take someone else's culture and make it your, uh, your appropriated pieces of clothing? Take them off. Uh, yeah, this is a good. This is a good episode, and Mister Wynn is a super good character to talk about. Yeah, I really love this episode a lot. Um, you guys really should watch it because it's just like a sweet episode about a sweet man. It is. It is. Um. Rate and review us, obviously. We're going to remind you again at the end. Um, Send us all your money, like I always say. Hey.handledhey at gmail.com is our email. Um, yeah, I, that's really it. Do we have any other housekeeping? No, but now I'm lost in my own thoughts because I'm thinking about the episode again. <laughs> it's just so yeah. stupid. <laughs> but I really like this one. It's yeah. really good. Um, we, yeah, I guess uh, trigger warning is too strong of a word. But we, yeah, we talk about race openly. We talk about colonialism openly. Um, so just get ready for two white guys trying to talk about it. Trying to do the it. best we can. We're doing the best we can. That's, <laughs> That's what we yeah, were, it's more of a trigger warning for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really, this is a great episode and it was fun to, um, to, it's like, it's a great plot. And then we get, we're able to kind of do the, the critical analysis that we really love. So it, it felt like it won the episode won in all the right ways. Yeah. Craig did a good job. Thanks guys. Um, and by guys, I mean all the people who wrote and worked on this episode. It's very good. Um, so enjoy the episode. Yeah, enjoy the episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is our brief summary of Mr. Wynn Goes Country. Arnold and Gerald are walking through the boarding house when they hear some syrupy country music coming out from the bathroom. The shower turns off and who comes out? Mr. Wynn. Arnold and Gerald are shocked. Uh, When they ask if that was really him, he says, well, yeah, I love singing. And then he walks away, kind of humming along another song as Arnold and Gerald ogle at this uh, fantastic singer cut to Arnold's room where they're still shocked. Arnold says something about not being able to understand Mr. Wynn when he talks, but when he sings, Gerald calls it the greatest country Western music those years have ever heard. So as they're thinking about Mr. Wynn's beautiful voice, they have an idea. What if they help him produce some kind of country Western music record? Arnold's thinking more about uh, the success um, and opportunity for Mr. Wynn, while Gerald, as usual, is thinking about the money that's going to come their way. Kind of a finder's fee, a manager's fee, etc. Gerald imagines what it could look like uh, touring the country and eventually ending up on the Grand Ole Opry. Hey Arnold's version of the Grand Ole Opry, which I think is called the Great Old Opry. Uh, But Arnold points out we might want to ask Mr. Wynn first. So at first, uh, Mr. Wynn turns them down, saying that he just prefers the simple things, which he shows by singing a song literally called The Simple Things. Um, But then Gerald suggests, what if we make a CD for your family and friends? Which convinces Mr. Wynn that, okay, fine, let's record uh, this song so so my friends and family can hear it. Uh, Cut to the recording studio where the producers and musicians can't believe that this man could sing country until they hear him do it and they're shocked and surprised and say this guy's going to be a star even though mr Wynn says not to put the music on the radio gerald and arnold sneak a cd into 
the um, player at a local radio station. And very quickly, Mr. Wynn becomes um, a town, uh, a citywide sensation. Uh, this kind of montages uh, for the next several minutes um, into Mr. Wynn becoming more and more famous all the way until he is uh, recognized at the Mexican restaurant he works at. And even though he's sad about it, um, he still agrees to uh, go uh, perform at the local, um, the local county fair um, at the fair. He's recognized by Travis Randall, uh, the Harold world's knockoff of Randy Travis, uh, who compliments him and says, I want you to be on the grand old Opry, AKA the great old Opry. Um, Gerald and Arnold basically say yes for him. Uh, and through this whole process, Mr. Wynn realizes how overwhelmed he is and, uh, talks to Arnold about it. Who says this is who says in response, this is your decision. This is your life. You have to decide what you want to do. So at the, at the show, um, Mr. Wynn ends up announcing to the audience that this is his first and last time playing at the great old Opry, uh, plays his song. And then it cuts to uh, Mr. Wynn singing the same song on the rooftop about the simple things. Um, and that is the episode. Uh, did I skip over anything? I don't think so. I think that was a good <clears throat> summary. Okay, cool. Um, so this is a very sweet episode. And it's pretty... Um, it, it The plot moves along pretty quickly. Uh, and, and I've kind of, I feel like we've all seen this story before, like, um, a, a no name becoming a celebrity and realizing that, uh, he or she doesn't want th th those trappings of celebrity. But I, I think this episode is more complex than that normal trope. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Let, so we have a, a scene we can think about. Um, is there anything that stands out to you other than the scene we're about to listen to about, this episode just in general? Um, well, there's like some pretty service level things that we said, the song that they do. It's actually pretty good. It's actually good. I mean, it's like simple. Hence yeah. the song. Yeah, yeah. But it is technically a catchy country song. Well, and when you compare it to the country song that's playing in the radio station, that's called like, sorry, mom, I lost my dog or oh, something, yeah, like, something that, like that. Or lost our dog or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, kind of a tongue in cheek like mock or like goof on the country uh genre tropes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um um there's uh there's a nice little dance that everyone does while they're listening to him on the radio mm -hmm. um which is just like people like shifting their shoulders left and right and snapping one finger really uh loosely they have a very good way in this show of making the everyday person seem like a buffoon you know, like the way they animate all the regular town folk mm -hmm. is like they make them look like the simple, like most like simpleton. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. Um, and I, I like the change in animation a lot. Uh, the figures become very simple and sort of round. And, oh, yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like in this episode, like you noticed that? I noticed in this episode, like when uh, when Mr. Wynn is playing uh, at the very end mm -hmm. and they do the sort of pan across the, the, the audience yeah, yeah. across the audience it's what they do every time in the show and it's the the town folk are always the animation changes and it's very yeah for like there's no details the, exactly. on their bot faces or anything yeah. yeah it's really great um uh, we don't really do this the best joke of the week though um without a doubt goes to mr mr kakashka he just oh, like yeah. <laughs> towards the end of the episode mr win is like trudging back from like something he's like exhausted he's tired of the fame and mr kakashka just says oh hey elvis uh and like asks him a question <laughs> the tone uh. of everything in that little like quick line is so good like the tone of his voice the accent really does a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of footwork there and yeah it's just a nice little passing bit yeah okay so uh we have a lot to talk about when it comes to um uh the west and uh oh we want to want to play the clip yeah yeah exactly so okay, okay. Uh, we kind of talked off mic. Uh, we've been kind of thinking about post-colonialism and um, the other and uh, the West um, and, and thinking about how to talk about with this. And this episode is full of it. 
And there are several scenes we could pull from, but um, I think the best one is right after Arnold and Gerald first hear, um, hear Mr. Wynn uh, sing and they start to scheme about what, uh, what this could mean for their, their future as well. So let's take a listen to that. I can't believe it! Mr. Wynn? I know. It's so weird. When he talks sometimes, you can barely understand him. When he sings... When he sings, he has the most beautiful, velvety, country and western singing voice these ears have ever heard. He should be on the radio. Arnold, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah. If Mr. Wynn makes a country western record and it's a hit, he could quit his job at the restaurant and move out of the boarding house. No! If Mr. Wynn makes a country record, we could be his managers. I mean, it was our idea in the first place. Mr. Wynn, country and western star. First, we record a CD. And then we get... Okay, so I would say that a way to enter into this um, in a kind of simple way is... Uh, Gerald really emphasizes <clears throat> that he that Mr. Wynn has the most beautiful country and western voice that he's ever heard. Um, most people, even in the '90s, I think were calling that music country music. Um, it is, you know, I have heard that before. I'm sure all of our listeners have heard some variation of country music, country what, country and western, country western, western music, etc. But the fact that it's emphasized, I think, is important because you have this man who technically is from quote the east. Um, Mr. Wynn, uh, who has adopted this art form that is so specifically from the West. This isn't um, kind of a, a, a nuanced type of music. This is very clearly born in the American West. Um, and so I think that is kind of the simple uh, microcosm of what's at play here, which um, I think does lead us into conversations of post-colonialism and the West and the other. Well, and, and just to build off what sort of the initial point that you were making is and when he says like country and Western mm. and like kind of underlining the Western part. And the, the, the reason that doesn't even seem like a reach at all. And that I think like you were saying, it was sort of a deliberate move in the writing was because there is a point earlier where they basically said, you just can't understand him at all. Exactly. Yes. And, and it's like, you can't understand him, but then when you can understand him, he speaks so, or sings so beautifully. And he, it, when he, when you, when he speaks, uh, as a man from the East, you cannot understand him. But when he puts on the vocal tone of a man from the West, that's when it's beautiful. Totally. And those, that's almost what, the that's exact like, words. And it's a quote. That's a quote from Arnold. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and it's funny because in the sort of equation that you're laying out about like sort of the intent of uh, the, the intent in regards to Mr. Wynn's talents it's you have one path is Arnold essentially at the beginning and then another path is Gerald. Right. And Arnold's path is sort of like if he does this thing, if he uses this talent, he can get himself out of this crummy boarding house and better himself. Better himself. Yeah, it's it's a little more um, hopeful about uh, the system of celebrity, basically. Totally. And just, yeah, success and, and, and success, talent. Yes. And like tapping into raw talent. And then Gerald's is like he'll be a celebrity and a success and we can basically he doesn't say ride his coattails because he rhetorically takes ownership over like he justifies them making money off of his talents by saying, well, this was our idea from the beginning. Yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. have you have at the beginning even those two sort of paths that you could take, one being sort of um, slightly more harmless and then the other one and even being well-intentioned. Yes. Yes. And then the other one being um, just like out outrightly self-serving yeah, self-serving and best case scenario focusing on the fortune and glory opportunity for totally. mr win not the self-improvement um success but the the fortune and glory and it reminds me of um the way that gerald spells it out uh the second indiana jones indiana jones and the temple of doom which also has kind of a problematic um portrayal of a uh an asian character um short round uh did you ever see Temple of Doom, yeah, a long like time the, ago. the the short Asian kid with the hat, yeah, like yeah. most adorable ever. But um, he's very problematic the way they portray him as like basically the helping hand of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, but there's a part where um, he goes, "Why, like, why would they want this thing?" And he asks that to in Indy, and his response, like right away, is "Fortune and glory, kid, fortune and glory." And that's the center actually of 
all the Indiana Jones movies is fortune and glory. And that's what Gerald's talking about. I don't think that's what Arnold's talking about. He's talking about, yeah, he's talking about self-improvement and that might include money. That might include fame, but well, yeah, that's like the means to the end. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Gerald is saying, no, no, the means to the end is fortune and glory. Yeah, yeah. That's the most important part. Yeah. And it is funny because you see how quickly Arnold like falls into this, the sort of sway of the idea of fortune and glory. Mm, like he starts mm. off in this more noble, noble, noble place. Which is a very Arnold thing. Yes. And yeah. then is immediately swept away into the idea of becoming wealthy. Which is a very Gerald thing. Yeah. I mean, this is not the first time Gerald is. Gerald is a schemer. And Arnold, when he's not standing. And, and you know, eventually Arnold does kind of give the decision, which is also problematic, but gives the decision to Mr. Wynn. But that that's the sort of thing that he would do. But... <laughs> Uh, you know, we think of the the one where Gerald oversells all the watches. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The one where he and Arnold get in a fight at the flower shop. So this is not new for them to kind of um, split in how in how money works, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I go go ahead. Please. Oh, I was just gonna say. I, I I think before we we go into the sort of colonial and post colonial sure. aspect of it, I think we should maybe start at the sort of. Let's start at the surface level and then dig deeper. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. That's I, a good idea. I like I think I like the idea of starting with the idea of sort of view, the way that they view Mr. Wynn is they view it from this very simplistic perspective of like this is a man that looks this one way, but then when he sings sounds this other way. Right. And sort of them focusing more on the tone of his voice. And we were saying this off mic, but like the tone of his voice versus the content of what he's saying. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as like, in terms of like there's racial implications to that and all those sorts of things. Um, and I think that's like a nice place to start because it sort of opens the door. Yeah. I think um, like, uh, I don't know exactly where our conversation is going to go, but I think there are kind of three levels um, as you dig deeper. And the first is uh, the plot and content of the episode which includes um the content of mr Wynn's song um which is what he actually wants which is look i just want to live a, a life that i am fulfilled with and that is for me and that is simple and the second level is a post-colonial conversation which i think is completely on purpose by the writers um and then i think if you pull that back again though that simple the simple the song the simple things which Mr. Wynn kind of aspires to actually has some problematic implications that, as you just mentioned right now, are tied to race and tied to um, the other. So we're going to talk about the simple things now, but I think right now it's a surface level, exactly what you get kind of perspective. Yeah. And I want to come back to it later at the very end. Totally. So I just want to clarify that, that we're going to bring no, up good. simple again later. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so well, because then you realize the song and sort of the way the song plays in the character does a lot of the work. Like that's actually yes. extremely pivotal to the whole conversation and dive into the episode itself. Right. And what what's pretty interesting, what I think, I mean, to give credit to Craig Bartlett and the writers and everything in the show is, in a way, this this is the type of episode for what we're doing where there's like really a payoff because you realize the scene that they set and the sort of overall narrative, the sort of plot point, different plot points, the characters that they've presented, the sort of um, geography of it all, and and, and basically all elements of the story um, allow for a really sort of um, rich, uh, episode like this to sort of rise up in the midst of the mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. that like allows all of these different currents to exist yes, at the same yes, time. I agree. Which is like, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that's sort of, sh- I don't know for me, I think, and probably for those listening, it shows, I think this type of episode and the way you can sort of dissect it shows sort of just how good the show is. Right. 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 Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I would say that one of the really strong elements about Mr. Wynn, and I would say actually about Mr. Kakashka and Ernie as well um, the three lead, the three main boarders of the boarding house um, is that they are on the surface presented as buffoons until it is revealed that they are not. And I think this episode does that really well. That um, uh, now the best version of that is the Christmas episode with Mr. Wynn. That's the one where you really see um, the somberness of his character. Um, this episode, though, I think 
breaks, like separates into two versions of Mr. Wynn. It's the, the um, version where he's like, like how he talks is it's very broken English and he puts the emphasis on the wrong word in every syllable. And he so clearly is just like, um, uh, like very content with, yeah, his simple life, which he, which he talks about, but there are moments, several moments in the episode where his not buffoonery is revealed how complex his heart and soul really is. Um, yeah, I, I, that's why I love these three, those three characters, even though they're very secondary. Um, those, like you said, payoffs, they're payoffs that show up with characters like them where you, you're able to see kind of the humanity behind them. Um, and I, and I think characters like Arnold and Gerald get to see that as well along with the viewer. Totally. And I think something that you said, and, you, and I think I was thinking about this word a lot when I was watching it and listening to it, and you just said it, the idea of contentment. Mm-hmm. And like the, like the song for Mr. Wynn is not like some aspirational sort of uh, like ideal. It's like a thing he has found. Like he has, yes. he wanted mm. this sort of simple life and then he has created an environment where that's what he's living. Yes. So he, he is where exactly where he wants to be. Yeah. And, and I think, that sort of idea when you're talking about, and this is maybe problematic and uh, in its own way, but the idea of clashing like the East and the West clashing and the idea of sort of, and, and this gets really confusing when you look at, I guess like China, the rise of China and all these different other issues, but you have this idea of like endless expansion of the West and that sort of being a thing that is sort of systemic and, <clears throat> and uh, pushes a lot of sort of economics, foreign policy, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, but you also realize it becomes internalized by the population as well. Right, right. So like the idea of like always having to improve oneself yeah. and like never being content and always having to like be working on something, going someplace else, doing something, that sort of idea is sort of completely at odds with um, Mr. Wynn and mm. sort of the idea of like, I guess, yeah, like some sort of contentment that can be reached from viewing things from like a traditionally non-Western perspective. Yeah, and and I think that is the that does bridge the the kind of um, beauty of the plot with the more post-colonial conversation. Um, but just to go back to the uh, just to go back to the song, let me read a couple lines really quick, just so you can kind of get the idea. You can offer me a diamond-plated pearl. You can send me all the riches in the world. You can tempt me with a with the palaces of Kings, I'd give them back in a big old sack and keep the simple things. Um, and then he sings about like lima beans and onion rings and stuff. Um, yeah. Lean into the, the country element of it all. So what I like, yeah. So the plot is basically it, without any of the like depth, which is absolutely there. The plot is just someone who has a hidden talent, um, gets the opportunity to perform it but then says, no, I'd rather just enjoy it for myself. It's for me. Um, it's for like me, me and, and my... those I love. Yeah, exactly. And, um, it, and the song, it's like, he plays the song for them, simple things. And they go, you wrote that? He's like, yeah, I wrote it. It's, it's, I basically, he wrote it from his own experience. Like you, like you mentioned, like he, it, it explains who he is in one song. Um, and it really gives you the answer right away. Like, Will Mr. Like, if there was a break in between, will Mr. Wynn continue to play country music? The answer was already presented at the very beginning, which is he's going to be offered palaces, kings, mm-hmm. riches, uh, lima beans, you know, or well, no, that's what he has. He has lima beans. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he's offered all these fancy things and he says, no, thanks. I'll take the things I already have. Well, even at the very end and then at the very end to sort of, uh, he, he's just standing by the water tower on the roof playing the song at the very end. But there's this line that he says at the very end, basically like about his uh, two stroke fan and, and like sitting there with like his two stroke fan in 93 degree heat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what's funny about that is it's almost like even in that line, they're acknowledging the parts that Arnold finds problematic mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. would, could change if he taps into his talents and has yeah. other people enjoy his talents, mm. which is like, you could actually have air conditioning, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, 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 like yeah. and so there's, there's this very simple ele- uh, parts of it where like, 
even in the sort of the lyrics and the writing, it's almost like Mr. Wynn's character acknowledges partially what Arnold is saying, but like understanding that you have, it's like, you can't have it all. And Mm -hmm. in his form of simplicity, that becomes acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I know that I've seen this, like this movie before. I don't know. Well, I, I I think, and I wish I would have had it known it before here, so I wasn't just hemming and hawing. No, but I think like the idea of like having a skill that is just for yourself. Yeah, there's something about that where like even if yeah, you could have never seen a movie like that, but something about it seems almost like. It is such a classic trope that yeah. even if you haven't seen it, you know it's a thing. That it, it exists somewhere. It, it it it's such a classic literature and film trope, it, and it but they but you know they it tropes aren't always exhausting because they're done so much. Sometimes they they're just a good way to start the conversation of yeah simplicity of what talent means. Well, it's almost um, like a thing you would like in a little kids book you would read about a character that 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 happens to right them. right and right, it's right. supposed to sort of show a child. That like 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 the show to some degree that like it's okay to like say no to fame say no to fame and like to have like skills talents that like you hold close to you mm-hmm. that yeah. things just can have intrinsic value yes um, yes oh, I was gonna say one more thing kind of on this level which is uh, oh I lost it it's okay. Um, Let's dive into uh, some post-colonial shit. Yeah, totally. Um, we kind of hinted at it, um, which is uh, that this is about the East and the West meeting, um, <clears throat> which, and the way that it's said at the be- said initially is is him leaning so hard into the phrase uh, country western music. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about a person not from the West, uh, being heralded as a performer of a thing from the West. Uh, and how do I, how do we start? How do we jump well, into like, go ahead. Well, so I, I think a way that I view it, it I, when we talked about this a little bit off mic, is that like the idea it's like this show <clears throat> sort of embraces the idea of diversity. Right. And uh, in a way that's like good and um, laudable and interesting. And, but what you also see is the sort of limitations of that sort of like very liberal conception of diversity, which is like a person shows their true value where they exist as the other in the same space that you exist. Right. Right. But they are fully subsumed by the dominant culture. So, yes. So like, and, and Arnold's response to him is really in line with that because Arnold shows seemingly he's a kid, but he shows no prejudice in the show. Right. Right. Nor do the other characters seem to do, but, like intentional prejudice, but, right, w- right. but that line, which we've talked about a few times of not being on, uh, able to understand him. And then when you do, he sings beautifully and he sounds like a white man, essentially uh, right, right. Um, tapping into a sort of old uh, art or like a Western uh, white art form, essentially, yes, which yeah. is country music. Um, and so I think that sort of is, it's just like an interesting, it shows, I think it is like, there's a few different ways you could go with it, but the idea I think of like embracing diversity, which is a good thing to do, right? right. But then showing the, li- the the limitations like a, of a liberal notions of diversity, right? Um, being that uh, a person shows their true value when they don't look like you, but they basically act like mm. the way that you mm. wish that you could act, or a, a, mm. or or in mm. an ideal Western form. So. Okay, let's define postcolonial just in case someone listening doesn't uh, understand it. Basically, postcolonial is looking at usually in a literary or film or uh, like th- usually through um, art making or writing, uh, looking at how um, colonialism uh, has affected our contemporary um, experience. And colonialism obviously is um, 
you know, began uh, with, uh, you know, as early as uh, the founding of our nation, um, colonizing uh, the Americas. And it really got heavy in uh, the 1800s and 1900s, um, all the islands in uh, the Pacific, the Pacific Islands, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like, so you take where white people have ever been. Yeah. And then, <laughs> except for Europe, I guess. And then, well, I mean, you take people from Europe, so and then you put them in other places, other than yes, those places, yes. and how they basically <sighs> took rape over. and pillage, yeah. and uh, and yeah, and, and that's more or less. And so, a post-colonial posture is one saying that the effects of colonialism are not over. Let's discuss. Or, or, or and, and like with the idea of like when empire recedes. So like when the great, great empires sort of fall and recede. So you have like Britain, France, the United States, all of these people. So they, 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 they aren't, they don't literally have subjects in other countries besides, right. I guess if you Australia, not talking Canada, about Canada, yeah. or not talking about Puerto Rico right, right, or right, talking right. about uh, other sorts of, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Uh, Remain basically remaining cultural um, clashing countries. Yeah, but they have, like territories. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. like fall. It's and that's like a legal distinction, but yeah. So the the idea of post colonial is like yeah, and is the idea that you can have great progress mm-hmm. and still have vestiges of yes, these yes. colonial paths and roots. And I think a really concise way to talk about it is the idea sort of, and this brings it. Um, really into the personal realm, but the idea of like the reason that Western and European types went to other countries was because they had great resources, mm-hmm. they had cheap labor, which we still do that to some degree, and both on both counts. Um, but they had these things like these untapped resources, right? Uh, that were like natural resources. So you had like minerals, you had gold, you had timber, you had sugar, and you many had times whatever trading posts, many times totally. um, great war. Yeah, um, spaces. Um, yeah, just uh, any sort of yeah. physical, thing, tangible thing. But yeah. in this context, it's like sort of you can put that in the character of Mr. Wynn and think of his sort of musical talent. Yes, is this sort of untapped yep. resource? Yes, that these outside people that are not like him and don't share his lineage are seeing in him and then want to like profit from essentially. Exactly. Um, I I, I want to put a pin in um. Uh, Mr. Wynn's backstory, but we can go back to that uh, and keep going with this. Um, yeah, the especially Jared, Gerald, Jared, um, Gerald's Kaching. That's usually he, my mistake. Yeah, uh, Gerald's Kaching when he thinks about being the manager for Mr. Wynn, like, oh, of course we'll take the the customary manager percentage. Yeah, um, that is so what you just said about um, yeah, like. I noticed, like, it's our idea anyway. I yeah. noticed this untapped thing. He was too dumb to be able to, like, use it himself. Therefore, we get a percentage of it. Um, which, uh, it feels like a less extreme version of, you know, uh, it, it, it's different because Mr. Wynn is already um, part of this Western culture. Like he has moved here, he lives here. Um, and, and another post-colonial layer is that this Vietnamese man works at a Mexican restaurant while living in New York city. So it's three cultures being mashed into one. It's, yeah. um, a truly post-modern, um, moment when you realize that he works at a Mexican restaurant and now that's more common, but I feel like in the mid nineties, that was not, um, like there wasn't like a foodie culture where it doesn't matter where you're from as long as you like studied the food. Yeah, like yeah. this was like, it, they, I, I think they're making a statement of how, um, not just how much of a melting pot uh, the United States is, but also how complex um, personhood and culture is. Um, well, and it's like in the idea, and this is like a for, sort of dumb take on it, but it's like, or simplistic take. Is like the idea of oh he says he works at a restaurant why do you assume it has to be the same thing yes that he is yes right same type of food that he is mm. and 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 like I, I think most people when, when would watch that would assume that as well yes um, and that's uh, yeah it and it's it is funny because it isn't what you expect and it, it calls out not only your own prejudices but the prejudices of um of common storytelling. Mm-hmm. The common storytelling would be that he works at a Vietnamese restaurant and that isn't wrong because 
that is more often than not true mm-hmm. that a Vietnamese man from Vietnam would work at a Vietnamese restaurant. Mm-hmm. But the problem is not not by not offering the alternative, which is that he works at a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, I think that's a very rich layered postmodern thing that makes his character all the more interesting. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, I think, yeah, I think like his character, I guess there, there's like that phrase, the subaltern, which is like the idea and it's in line with the post-colonial thing, which is like the idea of like the other and like a group of people mm. that sort of, it, there's many different ways to, to define the word, but I think I've heard it defined as like people who basically don't have the ability to move. Uh, they don't have mobility in society. Right. Right. And so you have. And, and to some to some degree, in Win, Mr. Wynn's uh, circumstance, it's like it seems it would appear from an outsider's perspective, especially uh, like a privileged person's perspective, that like that's self-imposed. Mm. Like he doesn't want better for himself. Um, but you realize that life and uh, things are more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, but I think it also really talks about the idea which goes – deals directly with Arnold Gerald and Mr. Wynn is the idea of that type of person, like not having agency or autonomy. Right. And right. that, that, and it is, and they call, and it's another thing in um, like political science, the idea of like the resource curse, which is like, it's almost worse to have mm. these resources, be it in this circumstance, artistic talent. Right. Uh, or in another circumstance, gold, minerals whatever these things are because it just leads to exploitation from outside or Mm, internal mm -hmm. or external more most oftentimes external um and i think so all of those things i think dovetail really nicely into uh this conversation and i think underline the fact that the post-colonial and the sort of post-colonial and colonial uh perspective on this episode like actually does make sense Uh, um and I just remembered another physical example of this is how, as the episode progresses, Arnold, Gerald, and Mr. Wynn are more and more physically surrounded by country Western clothing, mm-hmm. locations, um, songs. So it starts out where it's just the three of them in their normal clothes mm-hmm. going to record, and they're with seven people dressed, you know, uh, the way that they dress in their country mm-hmm. Western wear. And that feels like, oh, like it's these three people entering into this life and they are still them. But by the end, they're all decked out in like the most cheesy cowboy hats, rhinestones, all this stuff. And it feels like a Western takeover of Mr. Wynn. Totally. It, 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 it's a very physical example of a colonial experience. And it's, I, I think the reason why art is not literal is that this is, you know, this isn't, this is a little bit backwards the way it happened. It's one person going into the West as opposed to all of the West going into. Mm -hmm. um, So it, it kind of flips the script a little bit. Um, It it is even a little empowering seeing this non Western individual, um, uh, not traditionally non Western individual, obviously part of the conversation is that he is in fact a person of the West now. Yeah. He lives there, but, but traditionally the non Western person coming in and basically take, um, like putting them under a spell, putting them under a, like saying, listen to me, I do have a voice and it is important. Now totally. there is some problematic stuff with that, but it, it, it actually is in some ways an empowering story of like, like don't judge a book by its cover. That's sort of mm-hmm. a, a connection of the post-colonial with the, um, the kind of basic story. The basic story is don't judge a book by, by its cover. Um, because, because back to the post-colonial bit, that cover reveals some racist understanding of the other. Totally. Basically. Yeah. But also not to like do not to, to, to like, we're also two white men. So, well, <laughs> and, but not to do, we don't want to like do the thing to him that they are doing to him. Mm. So like, I think like you were saying about like sort of a positive element of it is that, um, at the end though, he actually reasserts, mm-hmm. he takes he he asserts his agency and he is and 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 exercises his his autonomy by at the peak of his opportunity mm. uh financial opportunity career opportunity whatever he says like this is really not what i want mm. and then gives it up and then goes and does the thing he wanted to do all along and i think that though the ability to be able to do that and to sort of um 
to assert oneself does also play into sort of the the post-colonial element of right. it, which is like <clears throat> that there the the circumstances that one finds oneself in now um, are not exactly the same as before. Like mm. th- it's not like in in colonial times, like disobeying the master or disobeying whomever ah, yes. would end in death. Yeah. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. like in a post-colonial context or in a modern, let's say modern context, it could, but like depending on who you are and what circumstance, but most likely will not. Right. And right. so the, uh, and some people would probably disagree with that, but like the, the idea that now you have this, you do have some sort of uh, room to move more or less. And part of the post-colonial posture is that critique. It's saying, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah. I reject that. I will be my own person making my own decisions, et cetera. And, and I think there are people like in the, so in the, I don't even know what it's called. Like, I guess it's theory, political theory, philosophy, but the people that study like the subaltern, they would find it problematic even in what we're doing, like in um, uh, sort of like media criticism is the idea of two white individuals sort of like um, giving our read on this person that is outside of ourselves and is, and is, is um, like uh, almost the way that we're viewing them is without agency. And we're just pointing at, look at the slacking, yes, like yes. look what is lacking, look at what is lacking. Totally. And, and that's why I think though, underlining the fact that, that he does assert himself um, yeah. and is um, more or less respected in that move, move <clears throat> and to some degree is mourned. And that's why it is a pretty cynical take to think like, that people he's almost like a monkey dancing like right. it could also be that people genuinely like what he has created yes too. yeah 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 so i think what ha- what is good about this though is that it it does show uh how dynamic this type of situation is yeah and that there is it things are so complicated because it is foolish to say it's all good but then i think it's also right. equally as foolish to say it's all bad right yeah, I, I do think that, and I was considering, I, I'm glad you brought it up. I was thinking about um, the fact that we are, we, not only as media critics, but just as viewers and fans of the show, we are participating in, the writers are participating in writing a story about a Vietnamese man, and we are participating in watching that story. And so we're participating in a post-colonial act, whether we know it or not, Um uh, both a colonial act and a post-colonial act and him like us kind of rooting for him to make his own decision is um, even that, even that phrase is so uh, loaded. Uh, like I know that even that isn't quite the right way to think about it, but um, us, but that's a better, I think that's a better way to direction to air. Of course. Yes. And um, maybe in the intro, we should start with that. <laughs> yeah. We, um, we record that. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, uh, one other element of post-colonialism that I think is worth thinking about is that come connects to some of the stuff we've already said. Um, his backstory is that he came from Vietnam during the Vietnam war, lost his child, was forced to leave because of political unrest caused in part, uh, f- almost, uh, almost, m- I don't know how much majority by the West and definitely in part by the United United States. Um, So you have basically France and the United States causing this like, and Russia, the the three, you know, big uh, Western players in the Vietnam conflict. um, They had a huge, huge hand in that happening. And so he goes from his home, leaves it because of political unrest to one of the countries that, had a hand in causing that political unrest and then adopts the, um, the ways of that place, which includes some things that are perhaps better than Vietnam, the, the, the melting pot of New York city, you know, the fact that he can be a Vietnam man, Vietnamese man working in a Mexican restaurant, like those things are positive. And even him saying, I like, I like country Western music. I'm going to sing it. I have the freedom to sing it. That's a positive thing. But the, the layer of him going to basically one of his enemies uh, in theory, not technically, but in theory, one of his enemies uh, homes and 
being engulfed then by that culture, um, I think adds another layer of the colonial problem to this story. Well, and I think, and it's, it's the whole, the Vietnamese component of it is very interesting because <coughs> there are actually a fair amount of Vietnamese people that thought the, the, the American intervention was actually positive hmm. and have sort of anti-communist, anti-Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, perspective that are like really, really intense. Right. And in the United States, it's actually a huge thing in the Vietnamese community. Um, and so that whole part of it is just really interesting. And I, But sort of to cut back towards uh, the music and his sort of talent, the that that scene at the very end where he is standing on the stage and this uh, talks is connected to what you were just saying that scene where he is and and it shows i think sort of uh the beauty of multiculturalism and diversity and those things where he's like standing on the stage as he's about to renounce his success yeah, yeah. and he says like i love country music i like writing songs yes, yes. and it's like such a so the statements are so simple but then you realize like that globalized parts of globalization, right. multiculturalism, pluralism, however you want to state it in the best way that you can, uh, at least problematic way is a good thing. Right. Like it right. is it, mixing of cultures is good and there are problems with it. Right. But complete isolation, there's problems with iso- complete isolation as well. Um, but that's that sort of moment exemplifies sort of all of the best parts of it, mm-hmm. of what we're talking about, yes, which yes. is him asserting himself, him stating this is how I feel like I truly do love these things. And the me creating this song was a genuine expression of my love for the craft and my love for the, right, right. Uh, for the, the, the art form and for my friends and family who I could share it with. Um, and yeah, so that I think is the, the really positive side of it. All. I agree. Um, okay. We can always, uh, jump back to any of these points, but let's let's now pull one layer more. Uh, talk about simplicity again, um, and uh, you know I don't know how this is like sub subtext. This isn't. Um, this definitely isn't. I I don't think it's the writer's point to bring up this element of simplicity. Um, I think, uh, but I think it's there, and I'm I'm interested to know like where a conversation could go with it. Um, which is that um, a, a much more problematic conversation of the other, which c- can stem from colonialism, but I think um, is is more even more complex than that, is that the other is often presented as a simple-minded yokel who can't um, possibly understand the complexities of um, our greater uh, utopian Western world. And, you know, you see this in like... Um, you know, theories of, uh, the, like, and the simplicity of the other is oftentimes put on a pedestal. Um, when you think of like Frankenstein as this, the monster of Frankenstein as this untouched man, who's never been, um, soiled by society and the West. Um, and so he has, uh, in fact, like honorable, um, perceptions, uh, of life, which actually the monster calls out the doctor for, if I remember correctly, um, that like he feels and he has a more complex heart than just some kind of simple untouched wild thing. Um, and I, so I think that's maybe like a more positive spin to that. The negative obviously is that like, they're just a bunch of dumb, simple yokels that don't understand the ways of the world. Well, and that, I, that is like oftentimes the justification for colonialism or right. was the justification right. for colonialism. Yes. And I think in terms of, in any of its iterations. And I think it goes back to the idea of like resources and, and Mr. Wynn's co- context, like um, artistic and uh, resources. And then a, like a more traditionally colonial perspective, uh, natural resources is like, they don't know how good they have it. Right. Exactly. And, and yes. we could actually maximize the benefits of these things. Right. And we can create, like if you want to take the most charitable view of some sort of some colonial types is the idea that like we could actually do a lot of good with these resources. Yeah, yeah. Like we can use this to power great economies and create prosperity. 
Um, and so, but it is under the same, it's exactly the same thing you just talked about, which is like the underpinning of it all is like these other people's simplicity and lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. Um, yeah. And, and whether or not that's like in good faith that that claim is being right, made. Right. Um, it sometimes maybe is, and oftentimes is not, I think. Look, the, the song that he sings is called the simple things. And so, um, the phrase like, Oh, Mr. Wynn's just a simple man living his simple life. I think if there are certain contexts in, in fiction where that is not, um, so loaded of a statement, um, I can think of, uh, the episode of the Simpsons where, uh, it's revealed that Nelson is this like heartfelt guitar player. Um, uh, Nelson's the bully that goes, ha, 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 that one, like, that is interesting because it goes back to the don't judge a book by its cover. Like, uh, like, yeah, he's just a simple man, but he has, but that simpleness has depth and it, it's not weighted with colonialism or race. It's, it's, you know, it may have a class element to it, but mostly because it is the, um, you know, quote majority of the West, uh, the white man, it's like, there's not a, that tinge of like racial problematicness is not really there. I think because Mr. Wynn um, is from a, you know, a quote third world country that is recovering from war still in the, in the mid nineties when this episode's made or late nineties when this episode's made, you know, I think it's not explicitly problematic um, because this is a postmodern pluralist show. I don't think it's explicitly problematic, but if you peel the layers back far enough, I, I, I like, I'm curious to know what you think about that as like, uh, like, yeah, he like calling a man from a third world country who doesn't speak English very well and who is like, uh, an untapped resource of talent, simple feels, um, at worst racist, but you know, if, if nothing else, just like, oh, that's an unfortunate phrase to use to describe him. Well, I think, I th- and I, but I think it depends. Like, I think I would rather think of, although he uses the simple things, I think, I think, <coughs> like, we oftentimes use that as, like, a pejorative, and it doesn't have to be that way. Like, I think you I could, agree. Yeah. you could, you could trans, you could, um, get rid of that word and then talk more about the idea of contentment, I think. Mm, and mm. I think it becomes less problematic um, and, and doesn't have the baggage that you're sort of talking about. Right. Um, but I think because he's saying what he wants is the simple life. It's, it's like, he's recognizing mm, mm-hmm. like, and I think mm. there's a visual um, pr- uh, example of this. Like at the beginning of the episode, they're in his apartment and his apartment is very sparse. And that's what he likes. And he even says, like, I like this apartment. This is what, I, although it's simple, I like it. And then as he becomes more successful, the apartment fills with stuff. Mm. And he has, like, he's surrounded by flowers. And he has stuff everywhere. And there's just junk sort of, like, leading its way up into the ceiling. Right, And right. it's almost like it's really towering over him. And I think it that's like a, a good uh, visual visual representation of sort of what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, although to you, it seems better to be surrounded by your accomplishments. Like I would prefer it to be the way that it was before. Mm-hmm. And that's what I truly enjoy. And, and I think, I mean, art making and those sorts of things as like an act of uh, joy and love and stuff, it is much different than, making the thing your business like where he Mm. he he has the stack of autographs that he has to sign and it almost is like (laughs) never ending Mm -hmm. stacks of paper which is actually a visual that you associate with bad desk jobs like this sort of monotonous style of work Mm. Mm. and so people that are usually in creative into creative things making art or, or whatever are typically trying to avoid that sort of drudgery and it becomes a thing that becomes part of your normal day to day when you make a thing like that your work um, and the endless touring, like 30 shows yeah. in a two months or whatever. It was like two sh- a show every other day, basically. Yeah, yeah. And like that, just like playing the same songs over and over again. Some people would say that way beats a desk job. But then another person might look at it and go like, that's nothing that, that I want. That is a desk job. Yeah, that basically yeah. is. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, constantly having to reproduce the same thing. And so I think it just shows the complexity of art making and uh, 
art uh, uh, as yeah. commerce or art uh, uh, as a um, commodified in its commodified form. Yeah, and I, I again, I think this is like sub subtext. I don't think um, it. I don't think it's problematic enough to take away the power of the episode, like the, the no. critique that's happening in the episode. Yeah. And I, I just, I think it's just that if he was this like elevated individual who like could speak eight languages and yes, he came from Vietnam, but like has the kind of the, um, the, the international view of success, which is a, a combination of education and clout, which he does not have. Then I, then I wouldn't, then I wouldn't go him writing a song about the simple things. I wouldn't automatically go, are you calling him simple? But because he's consistently presented as along with the other borders as a buffoon, um, it makes you, it's like, oh, they're calling the foreign buffoon simple. Is that what they're doing? It's just a verbal slip that I think is in the episode, unfortunately. But I think you're right that it has more meaning than just the first level of meaning, which is totally that he's just a simple old, you know, well, foreigner I, or whatever. Totally. And I think that I think to sort of move away from that being a problem, I think, is my view of like looking at it more of they're not listening to his words. Right. They're listening right. to just the tone of his voice and then right. maybe chicken wings and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. like, and, and that's, I mean, well, people that, hearing what they want to hear out of a thing. That's interesting because, uh, he, you know, his, uh, he's, so he is actually not simple, but the way he talks sounds like he is. Whereas the meaning of the song, the words are saying actual, like, I like these simple things is about simple things, but it actually is about something much more deep. And so it's like, it's, he's not saying I am simple, right? He's right. saying like material possessions, right? I'm fine with them being right. simple. So I, I, well, I guess what I'm saying is in regards to that is just that it fl- like, and maybe this is like a, a post-structuralist view that the meaning. Yeah. 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 Okay. So if post-structuralism is saying, how does the meaning not actually mean what it, mean what the words say the word literally is simple which Mm -hmm. which if you if you take away all context and um tethering from it simple just means like it's like base it's nothing it's um lacking complexity when in fact the song itself actually has complexity so Mm -hmm. i think that's an interesting um play on not play on words it's it's a play on the way the word simple is structured in the episode, which is he's singing about lack of and singing about how he wants lack of, which in fact it's like richness beyond his dreams. Like, and that's like the idea of like, yeah, contentment. And I think, isn't that like the idea of like minimalist art to some degree is that sort of same thing as Mm -hmm. well. And, um, like, and I think in your, you look at songwriting, because that's what this episode is sort of based around. The idea of writing a very simple song is actually extremely hard to do very, very well. Well, and that's why this song's good. It yeah. is a simple song, but it's catchy and it's actually yeah. not that bad. Yeah, and and yeah, and if you look at music generally, um, it's it, like it is very hard to do something very, very mm-hmm. minimal and simple um, in music and have it still be very, very good. So and that's why a lot of people don't do it. I guess to double down on like um, simplicity is in fact not simple. Um, it goes against the meaning of the word simple. Um, you know, you think about philosophically um, what, uh, um, you know, monks, uh, friars, um, p- people who uh, give of their lives, whatever, however, whatever direction, you, you know, martyrs, um, like people who practice what they preach when it comes to their religion, their philosophy, their political system, whatever it is, oftentimes leads to minimalism, simplicity, poverty. Um, and it's through those things that meaning is actually found. Um, you know, why, why the, you know, the guru on the Hill who has nothing but a long beard and, uh, you know, to a cloak and sandals, like that's all that he or she has. Um, and yet we put so much meaning into that simple thing. Um, so I, I, I think there is profoundness to um, him saying, yeah, I am simple and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, so the sub subtext, like the criticism of like, how could you call this foreigner simple? I think, I think you're right that it, there's more meaning to that song than what the word just is, which is 
simple. Yeah. The word is simple. That totally. is the word. Yeah. And I think he's primarily talking about like materialism. Yeah. 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 Um, by the way, I did remember, uh, I just watched an episode last night of the Marvelous, Marvelous Miss Maisel third season um, about they meet an artist who will not sell his work. Um, and it is very similar to this. That's mm. why it felt so familiar. Yeah, yeah. I just saw this and he, the, 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 the myth about him is that he refuses to show anybody the work. He refuses to sell his work. Um, you know, they go to his house and it's just like a mess. It's empty. There's like no furniture. There's no running water. So, um, yeah, it actually kind of goes back to this episode, which is like, he's searching for something other than material success. He's looking mm-hmm. for a deeper depth, deeper depth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, uh, deeper meaning than just selling his work. And I think that is reflected in this as well. Mr. Wynn is looking for something. Um, well, he's not even looking for something. He already has it. He has, yeah, he has the thing that makes him content. Um, I mean, we could talk more about, well, let's stop. Let's stop. And I will say this. Cry of the week. Oh, you go first. Oh, definitely when it cuts to Mr. Wynn playing his song on the roof and Arnold is just sitting like Arnold is when Mr. Wynn says, I want to share this with my friends and family. That's Arnold. Arnold, like, you know, the theme of family is talked a lot about in this. And so him sharing it with Gerald and Arnold at the beginning of the episode and then again, Arnold just sitting on the roof with him listening. Those are moments of Mr. Wynn giving a gift to um, giving a gift to them. And he does it in a way that's like, this is unapologetically what I like. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes, I'm only connecting this now. It makes us the humble listener to Mr. Wynn. And we are then invited into um, Mr. Wynn's gift to us of uh, here's my song and you're my friend and family too. You, the viewer, um, which we could look at in a negative kind of cynical meta way, like, Oh, how are we participating in post-colonialism? And I think that's fair, but from a base level plot level view, he has like his gift to the viewer is, is that song. Yeah. I think probably mine is, um, Probably, and I think it's like the sort of climax scene, like where it's right before he goes on stage and he, he's like come to terms with what he's going to do. Mm. There's something about it that is like empowering, but it's also a little sad. Mm. And you can tell that like he really doesn't want to like let Arnold and Gerald down. Right. And he also doesn't want to. F- he, he even says this as he's on stage, like he views all that has happened as a great honor. Yes. And so, like, letting that go. Yeah. He has um, to let go of something for that perfect thing that he loves. Totally. Yeah. And so, and that he's letting his fans down, Arnold Gerald down and everything. I think there's something to that that kind of stems to the other stuff we were talking about. Like, the idea of viewing something as, like, a duty <clears throat> and mm-hmm. as uh, finding honor in something as opposed to seeking the fame. Yeah. Is really yeah, yeah. interesting and being grateful for what's going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's mine probably. That's great. Probably, probably three or four tiers. Yeah, I would say the same about mine. Three or four tiers. Um, I uh, am like very rewatching. So the first two episodes, which are four episodes in total that we've watched um, for this season. Uh, you know, I've watched all these episodes before, but rewatching them in order, they like we're rounding out basically an hour of Hey Arnold and all four episodes have been very strong. Yeah. Lots of layers. Um, uh, yeah. I've been like very impressed with the, how the quality of writing mm-hmm. um, has shifted. Cause it, it's a little bit broader um, because there are more characters involved, but there's still like tearjerker episodes. Yeah. All of them have been very powerful. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that um, we still have stuff to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You did good, Craig. You did good. You did good, Craig. Um, so, song of the week, uh, jazz, jazz adjacent, jazz adjacent, indeed. The song is from Kendrick Lamar's album, Untitled Unmastered, I believe is what it's called. Yes, it is. Um, and the song is called Untitled uh, Number Three. Um, and 
Yeah. There's part of it uh, at and towards the middle end, I think, uh, where it's talking about um, a white man basically uh, using a uh, a musician for his talents and basically ringing for him for every dollar he has. Yeah. And um, yeah, and there's also like heavy racial components to this song, which could be problematic, uh, but I think to some degree uh, tonally fit this episode fairly well. Um, and there definitely is like a post-colonial um, uh, element to the song that I think matches the tone of the episode as well. Yeah. Enjoy the song. We, you know, sometimes we just, a, I guess a reminder, sometimes we pick the song as a combination of jazz meets content. And so maybe the, what they're saying or singing is um, relevant to the episode. And sometimes we just pick a song we like. Um, but, you know, music is obviously this episode's about music. Um, this music is such a central character to this show that um, we like to include some kind of smooth jazz uh, or or adjacent to that um, to encourage all of us to dive deeper into yeah mu- jazz music. Basically, we're, we're realizing through this show how how uh, good smooth jazz is. Well, and I think like in this episode, it's like a there's obviously country music in it or a country song in it. Um, and so our Harold, the show, there's a lot of like music throughout, Yeah. but yeah, generally it takes like a jazzy right, tone right. and groove based or, I mean, it's, it's a like little funk, all over the place, but yeah. it's all within like, um, there's always like a, it's a metropolitan it. groovy yeah. thing going. Yeah. So yeah. And this is different than country music, but I think this one is an example of like something about the tone suits it yeah yeah so enjoy the song um please rate and review on itunes uh email us at hey.hairnoldhay at gmail.com um yeah thank you again thank you for um hanging out with us and remember there's a little football head in all of us bye Said I needed divine intervention was his religion, and I was surprised. Him believing in Buddha, me believing in God. Asked him, What are you doing? He said, Taking my time. Meditation is a must, it don't hurt if you try. See, you're thinking too much, plus, you too full of yourself. Worried about your career, you have a think of your health. What did the Indian say? A piece of land. That's what the Indian said. I needed the man telling me longevity, send the dirt, should buy some property first. Should profit a better dollar with generational perks. Equity had its best. Really, you should invest. These tangible things expire, don't you expect? Income with so much outcome. And yes, look at my heritage. We blessed. Don't put the black man say. A piece of pussy. That's what the black man said. I needed to push me to the limit to satisfy my hunger. We do it all for a woman from a haircut to a war. We like to live in the jungle, like to play in the peach. What you saying to me? He said, nigga, come back to reality for Week. Pussy is power. Fuck on the new bitch every night. I wouldn't be prouder. You should allow it. What the white man say? A piece of minds. That's what the white man wanted when I rhyme. Telling me that he's selling me just for 1099. If I go platinum from rapping, I do the company fine. What if I compromise? He said it don't even matter. You make a million or more. You're living better than average. You're losing your core. Following, gaining it all. He put the price on my talent. I hit the bank and withdraw. Hit the bank and withdraw. Hit the bank and withdraw. Put myself in the rocket ship and I shout for the stars. Look at what you accomplishing. What he said to the bar. I'ma make you some promises that you just can't ignore Your profession anonymous as an artist If I don't talk at your market If you ain't signing your signature When I throw you my wallet A lot of rappers are giving up Demo hall in the toilet Your world tour, your master's mortgage I need